So you texted in the three five two seven zero. We'll play bits of what you want to hear. Get you to that five o'clock punch out together, as is tradition here on Afternoons Live. Uh, two years uh, when this happened, we thought it would be ten days, and now here we are uh, talking about the dynamics not only within Ukraine, uh, but well, the dynamics and the tension between us and Russia. Lots of de- developments. New sanctions today. Uh, an opposition leader, Navalny, murdered uh, earlier this week. Biden met with his family. We talked last week. Armstrong, Congressman Armstrong was on when we heard about some space nukes or something along those lines. Uh, just the other day, the FBI, an agent that was used uh, for the foundation of, hey, look, there's a connection between Hunter Biden and Burisma. Turns out those were potentially Russian lies, congressional Republicans aren't taking up the aid package for Ukraine. Tucker Carlson did a two-hour interview with Putin. A U.S. ballerina was arrested in Russia for donations to Ukraine. There. That's all within like the last 18 days. But over the course of the last two years, Dr. Thomas Ambrosio has been our go-to expert on this region, what's going on, history of it, and what might happen going forward. He joins us right now. That's a lot. Do, do I get a dollar for every topic we cover today? Yes. <laughs> It'll be at uh, KFGO dollars. KFGO. Yeah. They, KFGO might, dollars. they might work in the vending machine, but don't bank on it. Uh, I imagine, because uh, knowing that I've uh, had a number of classes with you, that just what's going on here, the 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 classroom is pretty lively and interesting these days. Yeah. No, things are, yeah. My international politics class is always stuff going on now. Yeah. Um, you know, from, of course, you know, we got the whole Middle East situation, but of course, we got this Russia stuff, and of course, the it's your anniversary. It's now time to keep to take stock of kind of where we are, where we're going. And um, not going to say I did say a year ago that I could schedule up to uh, or two year anniversary, uh-huh. but I think I have my phone here that I can uh, put Prove in our, our our three year uh-huh. anniversary. You think, you think this goes another year in this this type of climate, or at least where it'll be something kind of a a war slash non-war kind of cold warish thing sure. yeah yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised because um so maybe it's time to take, take stock first kind of where yeah, we are yeah where yeah. we are because like i said yeah. w- when this invasion happened i had you in and everybody in intelligence wise said 10 days right they'll have uh, russia will have even 10 days it's now two years they still don't have it yeah so so you know russia of course went in uh not as big as they probably should have uh and and they made some serious tactical and strategic mistakes but at this point now, we're two years in. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at what has kind of changed hands over the last year, and say 2023, uh, there hasn't really been a whole lot in terms of actual, I mean, some territory has shifted, but the percentages of land has been almost completely static. Really? Uh, I think the Russians may be actually a slightly ahead at this point. Now, obviously, not everything's about land. And, and, and the latest headline yeah, at least on the battlefield, was the Russian seizure of the city of Avdika, mm-hmm. uh, which they've been trying to seize since 2014. So they finally got it. Uh, so land itself doesn't really tell us a whole lot, but I, instead we can look at the fundamentals. And the fundamentals are based upon a couple of assumptions that we had in terms of our support for Ukraine. Of course, Ukrainians are fighting for their survival. They have their own calculus. But for our purposes, we thought... Um, first of all, at a certain point, the Ukrainians could win. Right. And they had some tactical successes in, in uh, uh, twenty-two in, in 2022, in the fall. And, oh, like, oh, this is great. Look, all we need is put more money into them. They're going to change things around. 
Well, what we've seen with the offensives in 2023 was that they were a complete disaster. Uh, we gave billions upon billions of dollars, and it just did not work. The Russians were too entrenched. We thought that if the Ukrainians went on the offensive, it could work. In fact, defense had the advantage. If you remember that from my international uh, politics yeah, class, yeah. where actually it's better to be on the defense, and Russia proved that. That's the first thing. Second assumption that we had that's now been proven false is that somehow the longer this grinds on, the harder it is for Putin to stay in power. Yeah. He's now more powerful probably than ever. Well, and uh, there's no was, opposition. The, one the last uh, real opposition leader was just murdered in a prison right. cell. He was either kind of capital M murdered or he was put into conditions which would lead him to die because he was poisoned by the regime mm -hmm. and sent to a horrific prison camp. Um, so it's unclear if he was actively murdered, but he was pretty much murdered by the regime. So there is no opposition mm -hmm. at all. So Putin's secure. The elites in Russia have sided with him. There's no, they have, there's no alternative to Putin right now. The only way he's going out of office within the near future or foreseeable future is in a box, you know, dying of natural yeah. causes. Mm -hmm. And then also we thought the sanctions would work more seriously to undermine support, but also to undermine the war effort. In fact, Russia's war effort has been able to be, to actually improve and increase, and they're actually on the winning end of kind of the battle of kind of weaponry and especially artillery shells. Now that we're in a war of attrition, uh, kind of a World War One-esque mm -hmm. trench warfare, um, Russia's actually now has a huge advantage on that. They're buying weapons from uh, North Korea, from Iran, and developing their own systems. So the three assumptions that we had that thought we thought that would turn the tide against Russia are now proving wrong. Now, Things could change, but if we think about other kind of when we think of static wars, like World War One is kind of the classic example. The fundamentals were shifting against Germany; mm -hmm. it just was a matter of time. Here, the fundamentals seem to be shifting against Ukraine. You mentioned uh, uh, well a lot there. There's a lot. I th know. Th there is, um, and it all sounds pretty dire. To be honest with you, so what do you say? Yeah, we'll schedule for the next year from now. I mean, it sounds like that's a stretch if if nothing does in fact change. Uh, today they announced uh, with the Biden administration that uh, they're going to do a, a number of new sanctions. I was wondering what in the hell was left to even sanction because I and thought that, we had that sanctioned was, everything. That was my thought. I don't see what's what could possibly be left. Um, yeah, uh, and it seems to be directed at Putin himself. It's not like he has money, you know, in in Wells Fargo here in town. Mm -hmm. Uh, that they could seize. So I don't know. It's it's, it's performative. It's it's symbolic uh, to, to make it make a statement. There's very little we can do to punish the regime. And in fact, the longer this goes on, the more the Russian government is able to insulate itself and insulate its economy from pressure. And the reason why it's been able to do that is twofold. One, it has a lot of oil still, and countries want that oil. But also much of the world has not sided with us on this war. Mm. They have actually kept relations with Russia. They don't see this in the same moralistic terms that we do. Mm -hmm. They see it as part of a larger conflict between what they see as a domineering West and Russia. Dr. Thomas Ambrosio is our guest. You got a comment, you got a question, send those into 35270. We'll ask them here on Afternoons Live. Uh, I do have some audio when we come back uh, from a weather update. Uh, Dr. Or not Dr. Pardon me. Senator Tommy Tuberville had uh, provided some statements about 
how this war got started. I want to get uh, uh, Dr. Ambrosio's response to that. And, of course, we just, we're just we just peeling back the surface. There's so much more about this situation that we need to dive into. You can uh, join the conversation as well by the Laney Studio line at 237-5948. More with Dr. Ambrosio right after this. The Purple Highway Star makes you want to roll the windows down a little bit, turn it up, right? So right here was a rip on the dial up to 11. I'm digging the variety of uh, genres into the text request Friday tradition. Uh, no, this... Some of the songs are not getting played. I can't tell if this is with intent or not, but some of you texting in songs that clearly are cussing, <laughs> riddled with swear words, I would probably listen to that not on KFGO because uh, I don't want to get fined or fired. It is Friday, and you know how those usually go on Fridays, right? My guest right now is Dr. Thomas Ambrosio, political science professor, NDSU. Uh, before we took a break, we are talking about NATO, where things are, that the world seems to be not pulling away from russia like we expected right uh tommy tuberville is a uh, republican senator from uh, alabama and was asked i believe he was at cpac uh the conservative group uh they have an annual thing and was asked about this invasion and we had some audio from that uh that i want you to take a listen to and just get your response to this a show of strength and that you're going to help well joe biden wouldn't do it obviously they allowed him to come in now we're the one that forced this war because we kept forcing nato on Ukraine and showing Russia, hey, we're going to build military bases on your borders. And Putin said, no, no, you're not going to do that. So th there's the out that we're hearing from a, some excuse making, in my opinion. I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, you've been a longtime observer of this region right. about NATO, Russia. Your reaction to that? I'm not, I'm not unsympathetic to that. I, I would think I would argue that Putin went in for two reasons. One, he doesn't think the Ukrainians are, are, are separate people. That's part of it. And he outlined that in, in 2021. He had this 5,000-word kind of love letter to the Ukrainian people. And actually, in uh, Tucker Carlson's uh, interview, uh, he kind of went on, on in detail, going all the way back to Two the 1800s or whatever, uh, about Russian uh, history and how it's really Ukrainian history. Uh, though, you know, one could actually argue that Russia is actually Ukraine rather than the other way around. But, you know. Semantics. That's the semantics. But uh, but the other factor, I think, is actually there is legitimacy to that. I think for, for Russia, countries are driven a lot by fear. And Putin told us back in 2007 that he didn't like the way things were going and that NATO expansion was a problem. And we kind of didn't listen. And in fact, I believe it's our current national security advisor or uh, secretary of state had a, a sent a letter. He was part of the, uh, the embassy in Russia back to D.C. and said, hey, um, this is the red line for Russia. Expanding NATO into Ukraine is the red line for everyone. No one accepts this, as we would not accept China offering a military alliance to Mexico. Right. So it, it doesn't excuse. It, it doesn't. Well, it, it doesn't, you know, remove his culpability, doesn't remove you know the horrific crimes that Russia's committed in Ukraine. Um, you know, aggression obviously is a violation of international law, but it can help explain the the context in which countries are driven by fear. And yeah, I, I think there is a lot of fear there. There was a lot of fear. Well, it seems like there's a lot of fear uh, domestically, at least at one point, uh, inside 
Russia. That's my interpretation of, you know, just some of the, the way of which that Putin, I think, has is, is kind of controlled every aspect, in my opinion here. Because then when you ask about the, you know, they made, hey, this is a red line. We didn't listen to him. Should we have? Because my gut tells me, why in the hell would we want to listen to this, quote, strong man right. without just, because then you're appeasing. And, you know, the history of, okay, well, we'll go along to get along. And some can argue, well, look what happened with Crimea. And everybody was saying this is not going to be the end of it here. And now here he is in Ukraine. Yeah, this is this is the this is one. Actually, we were just talking about this in class yesterday. Um, we were just finishing up World War II. And the question is, how much do you appeasement, of course, has this you know negative kind of loaded connotation. But how much do you accommodate how much versus how much do you confront? And our choice with Russia was a mix of the two uh, throughout the 90s and even into the 2000s, but the Russians didn't see that. And as someone who studied Russia for a long time, I think we should have paid a little more attention to the fact that they didn't see things the way we saw them. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean we need to change. It just means that we should have, we should have expected a reaction like this. And so when Russia invaded, I was like, well, that's, that's pretty typical. Not 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 ex- not surprising. When um, what because people want to say I'm trying to find a way to, to phrase this because I got questions coming about bringing it back here domestically. Well, oh, yeah. and you got you got time after oh, the top absolutely. Day. Okay, yeah, because about you know we're in an election year here, but people say, oh yeah, this wouldn't have happened if if Biden hadn't done this. Of course, you know that's all coming from a certain demographic that listens to the show, which I'm grateful for. But if it were anybody but Putin. That was leading Russia right now. Does this invasion happen? Someone like Putin, either either someone like Putin would have written risen to power anyway, or Russia would have been too weak to do anything. Would have been back in the, in the Yeltsin years, uh, where Russia was basically a basket case. So it's one of those situations in which either Putin himself or someone like him would have risen to power and probably would have done something similar. Okay, because you think about you know the. Gorbachev tear down this wall, the relations there to where they are now and some of the changes that happened there. And it seems like the central figure points to him. Uh, actually, it's, d- it's it? deeper than that. Deeper it was than- actually, yeah. Um, in fact, I have a book on this in which uh, <laughs> um, it was <laughs> actually building even during the 90s before well, when Putin was just some assistant to like the mayor of St. Petersburg. So, but yeah, I mean, what's interesting is is kind of, you know, we can look back, but ultimately we kind of need to look forward, I think. And that's kind of where where we're trying as a country to figure out what to do with Ukraine, uh, given the fact that we see, you know, we saw what happened in 2023, which is that the Ukraine's not going to win this war, at least we can see. And some really good military analysts, there's a, a guy, Michael Kaufman, who does really good uh, Russia and Ukraine military analysis, Who's like, yeah, now we're planning on, you know, Russia or Ukraine maybe having an offensive in 2025. So basically uh-huh. this year being a complete wash. wash. Maybe maybe spring of 25 going on the offensive again. It's like, oh, because Ukraine actually mm-hmm. has to reconstitute itself. Wow. So in terms of its military. I want to bring this conversation back uh, stateside here. I've got great comments coming in about that. Uh, so in this next hour, or next, after we get to the next hour, how does that sound? It's easy for me to say on a Friday afternoon. Uh, because people are talking about the aid. You know, I mean, we're, we're kind of at a standstill here, and when you're talking about there's not really a path forward right now that's going to bolster up those saying, we don't need to spend any more money there. 
Uh, there's that, and then, of course, the presidential election, which this is a major issue. You're seeing it play out in the uh, death of Navalny. You're hearing about who's taking what side on that. And, I mean, there's an impeachment inquiry, too, uh, that uh, as of this week, they're saying, eh, it might have been based on some of the things Russia was peddling here. So those are some of the top lines that we're going to get into. And, of course, whatever you want to get off your chest or add to the conversation at 35270. Lots of comments coming in, some great questions as well. You can join the conversation this whole next half hour. Dr. Thomas Ambrosio is my guest. At the bottom of the next hour, Erica Rapp from FargoUnderground.com, as usual, will give you a chance to win that $25 gift card to the boiler room. I recommend the scotch eggs down there. So that's coming up, and, of course, we'll have a little bit of fun. And the final hour of Afternoons Live that's really rolling on on this Friday afternoon, I'm Tyler Axtis. You're listening to 790 AM, 94.1, and 104.7 FM, KFGO. Let's bring this conflict on home. Talking with Dr. Thomas Ambrosio for this next half hour. Uh, getting your comments as well. We're talking about we're on year two or I, we're at the end of year two, I believe. Tomorrow's year. Yeah, okay. Um, I knew it was how I'm phrasing it, It's probably a little off here. But uh, that, that's the crux of the conversation. But the last two weeks, there's been a lot domestically here. Uh, we ended up talking about NATO. We talked about AIDS. Uh, going to or not going to Ukraine. And I think the question is right now, congressional Republicans said they're not taking up the package right now, at least Speaker Johnson. That passed bipartisan in the Senate. There's rumors that it would pass if the House actually took it up. How much of that infighting is going to make things a much worse? Because we've been paying quite a bit. I don't think anybody disputes that. There's arguments of have we have we spent too much and should we continue? Well, certainly it will have an effect on the battlefield. Yeah. Uh, there is what's called uh, in, in the military art, so to speak, um, shell hunger. Ukrainians have shell hunger, and that means they don't have enough weapons, especially artillery, which is where, again, this war is kind of going into a war of attrition, like World War One, but with drones. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, but so the Ukrainians need the money, and, of course, the fight here, because you know, we like to sometimes say, you know, politics stops at the water's edge, but it never does. So there's a lot of reasons why it's being held up in the House. Part of it is, is that there's a bit was a, of course an attempt to tie to the border control of the U.S. border. Mm -hmm. um, the Republicans made the argument why should we care more about Ukraine's border than the U.S. border, and, and that kind of spiral. Then they, it was kind of separated out. But there's also you have budget issues, and then there, there's also strategic issues like how long does this war do we fund this war, uh, and whether or not we're going to, whether or not it's going to give us anything. Now, there is a strategic argument that we can fight this war to the last Ukrainian. And ultimately, we're, we're supposedly weakening Russia, at least costing Russia a lot with uh, no cost, you know, uh, blood, and blood, at least in the mm, United States. No boots on but of course, for the Ukrainians, it is kind of a tragedy. And the average age of the, of the or the average, uh, the average age of a Ukrainian soldier. It, at least this was a, a couple months ago, was 43. So think 43. about that. 43. 43. Wow. Um, it's going to be creeping up to the mid-40s and to the high-40s. Uh, they do need to do another round of mobilization, probably, for younger people. But you, younger Ukrainians are seeing, they're seeing the way things are going. Yeah. And, they're, and, and Ukrainian men are starting to flee as well because they're like, this is not, we're not going to get anything out of this. And the initial fervor has kind of died off. You know, when you're talking about 43-year-olds, you know, hoofing it around right. the battlefield, that's not a good sign. 
for the long-term future of your military and your military uh, uh, health. There's some great comments and questions coming in. 35270 is how you can get a hold of us here on Afternoons Live. Uh, I'm going to start with this one that just recently came in and kind of go back because there's some more about, hey, future, if so-and-so does this. But this, uh, Tyler, do you mean when uh, Putin went in and uh, took uh, Crimea in 2014, why were we not arming Ukrainian troops? What is our goal to end the war, expelling all Russian troops to pre-2014 borders? Uh, how does this happen without NATO putting boots on the ground? There is nowhere near enough Ukrainians to throw at Russia. There's, there's a lot there. there. You know, yeah. Why, you know, what, well, we did actually arm once actually uh, President Trump became, former President Trump became president. We started ar doing more to arm Ukraine. But the idea, and, and President Zelensky of Ukraine at least last year, was talking about, oh, we're going to push Russia all the way back. And there were some initial successes in in late 22, but those are kind of out the window now. And, yeah, Ukraine does not have enough troops to do this. You Russians are well too dug in. And the Russians are willing to pay a price, not just willing to pay a price, but they're increasingly able to pay a price. And they have a much larger population. They have the, – the, the sanctions have not hurt enough. And this notion that Ukraine can win, whatever you know, we define win as, you know, restoring its its borders or even pushing back to the status quo before the twenty two invasion, even that seems like it's it's kind of a long shot. So therefore, do we just drag this on, or do we end things now? And the third option is try to give Ukraine enough weapons. This is kind of kind of a little bit of taking some hopium, which is. Uh, Give them enough weapons so that they get some victories and they can be in a better position to negotiate in the future. But how many more Ukrainian lives are going to be lost? And that there is a calculation that some people want to say, well, it doesn't really matter to us because uh, they're not uh, they're not going to vote in American elections. But others have a different impression of that or a different uh, belief in that. Well, and some of that's playing out here uh, from the listeners here. Um Tyler, please ask uh, your guest, my guest is Dr. Thomas Ambrosio, NDSU, if it's plausible Putin was emboldened to invade when former President Trump and a sizable minority in the U.S. appeared to be willing to blow up NATO, NATO and bail out uh, or bail on our allies. So, I mean, summarizing again, right. you know, that, that approach, which is kind of on the, the stump speeches again right now that NATO this, NATO that, if they don't pay the 2% towards GDP, that do whatever the hell you want type of yeah. approach. So what happens if... A change in the White House, you get Donald Trump back in, doesn't seem to be a big fan of NATO, then we start to maybe rethink our commitment to it. Well, Trump does talk sometimes a, a big game. He says a lot, of, obviously a lot off the cuff. I, I think he would probably still continue NATO. I mean, I think Russia realizes that's a red line. That's the, our red line, ultimately, that we're never that, – that's, that's something that is kind of off the table for Russia. But uh, – yeah, I mean, certainly things would change with a change of administration, but we may get to a point sooner rather than later. Um, and there's actually, uh, you know, if this aid package does not go through, you might actually then see Ukraine willing to say, okay, we need to start negotiating. Now, whether or not President Zelensky and Ukraine can actually do that because he staked his entire identity as a politician and, and as kind of a Ukrainian hero on fighting Russia to the last mm -hmm. and— but sometimes, you know, only Nixon can go to China, so to speak, and sometimes only the, the most hardened anti-Russian can uh, can make peace with Russia.
237-594 to the Laney Studio. On your call, you get through and you can join the conversation. I'm Tyler Axness. This is Afternoons Live. Our guest is Dr. Thomas Ambrosio. In fact, I'm going to uh, join uh, David into this conversation. David, you're on yeah, with Dr. Thomas Ambrosio. We were talking about the death toll in Ukraine and all that Israel. Just remember one very important distinction. Three dead is a tragedy. 30,000 is a statistic. And that's how these people are looking at it. David, I appreciate the, the phone call. Adding, I mean, there is a lot of death going on over them adding Israel to the situation that we haven't even touched. We haven't even touched Israel. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. yeah. But so that's that's another thing that's kind of adding to, I I think, this willingness, you know, everything I've already said. And then you add in the, the Gaza situation. Of course, we have now, the, uh, you know, U.S. troops being killed in Jordan and then the whole thing with the Houthis off the coast of Yemen and the Red Sea largely being shut down, where there's a sense in Washington of we have enough on our plate. We need to take Ukraine off of it. Now, we can handle both. But at least in terms of you know what we actually you know can do in terms of money, but mm-hmm. and an effort, but there's also a kind of a brain power, and then we have an election coming up. I know, that's... and there's you know taking things off. The, but of course, we also have again we have an election coming up, which also means that it'd be hard for President Biden to say, you know, to to quote unquote abandon Ukraine mm-hmm. because he staked his own presidency on this as well. So it's all these kind of wheels within wheels within wheels that make it a diff- difficult. It's going to make it a very difficult 2024 for Ukraine. When we come back, the final segment I, I have with you, I, I want to ask how close we are of direct conflict. I mean, we're indirectly. It's a proxy war. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, we're we're funding, we're providing weapons, all these things to help Ukraine against Russia. I mean, it's it's blatant. It's happening right now. How close uh, your opinion when we come back that? That spills over to that hot conflict that, okay, all of a sudden, it's not using other countries. It's you and us, mano a mano. Because we talked about space nukes. There was uh, some information that was seeped out when it comes to a, a whole impeachment inquiry. There's just a lot going on that is starting to be revealed. So that's my final question. And, of course, some of yours at 35270. When we come back here on Afternoons Live. What a fitting request in during this conversation about the carnages going on uh globally uh, and i'll get back to my guest dr thomas ambrosio but we had a caller road warrior report about an oversized vehicle that was doing the interchange between uh going north i-20 now i-29 pardon me north on i-29 and then uh trying to veer into that west 94 so i think of that cloverleaf sounds like it is backing traffic up in that area so again Northbound I-29 uh, to the westbound 94 is what we heard uh, there. If you have any updates, you're the eyes for us out there at 237-5948. Doctor, I'd asked before the uh, break, how close are we to things spilling over? It's no longer a proxy war. We're actually engaged at each other. I think the chance, the chance of that are, are are close to zero. No one wants that. Mm -hmm. And, if there were to be a situation like that, it probably would have happened by now when we were directly, when we first started um, just ramping up Ukraine mm-hmm. aid. Uh, you know, we are certainly in a proxy war. Uh, there's no question about that. We won't admit it, but we are. Uh, there's very little chance of that. I'm far more concerned about Taiwan uh, and China uh, than, or, or something possibly spilling over to Iran. Than I would be to Russia. I think everyone realized we we were able to keep the peace 
during the Cold, Cold War, War when things were, you know, far more tense than now and we're involved in, in, in far more proxy conflicts. So, yeah, I, I think that I, I'm not worried about that. Doesn't That doesn't keep me up at night. Uh, Taiwan and, and actually Iran probably would. So the space nukes story was not one space that kept nukes, you up the, in a I, cold I, sweat? As soon as I heard the space nukes, I'm like, it, it's just, it was an attempt to scare people to get the, the bill passed. It was, and if you look at it deeply, it was like someone said that Russia was thinking about maybe developing a program to put nukes in space. It was like so many steps removed from anything concrete. It was, it was such, I think, a, a transparent attempt to get the bill bill passed that it, it disappeared from the news. Instantly. Almost instantly yeah. because it was so obvious. We had Congressman Kelly Armstrong scheduled for our regular monthly conversation that same day, just like two hours after that came out, and we both, this is not how you do this, if it were of a legitimate concern. Uh, Tyler, can you please ask, uh, ask Dr. Thomas Ambrosio if the rumors about Putin wanting Russia, or not Russia, Alaska back are true or should concern Americans. There's this rumor that Putin wants Alaska back. <laughs> well, I, we do have a receipt, so I guess that helps us. Um, so I think we're okay that. I think we're okay that way. It actually reminds me back to uh, back in the day, Vladimir Zel- uh, not Zelensky, um, Zhirinovsky, who was this cr- the crazy uh, far far right nationalist in Russia back in the '90s, who like demanded Alaska back. And uh, yeah, I think I think we're okay on that one. I think Alaska is, is pretty secure. We saw, uh, in fact, when we were on a break, one of the monitors was talking about they were visiting with the boyfriend of the U.S. ballerina that's a dual citizen in Russia. I think raised $25, whatever it was, for a Ukraine aid, and they arrested her. Right. Uh, clear example of, look, they want to get more hostages, prisoners in a swap, you think? Yeah, yeah they, they, we, they, they pro- we probably have someone they want, and uh, they, they took a hostage. And... And and maybe that'll you know get get them what they want. The intelligence side of this. Uh, before I let you go, uh, you know, I mean, there's the presidential election going on, and I think there's been some upfront comments made from congressional Republicans saying, "Look, you know, this is this is ongoing because you know it's going to hurt them politically." But they have the allegations now that the foundation of the Hunter Biden Burisma you know, collusion type thing was based on Russian intel. That just part of the game. I mean, I saw the Americans on FX, you know, all those years ago. <laughs> it's ongoing. Yeah, I think it's all just it's all just part of the game. You're starting to even I mean, Nancy Pelosi was talking about how the Russians have financial you know, leverage over over Trump. So I think ultimately, you know, it's it's all it's all part of the game. When we come back, uh next time we can try to have you uh on for something joyful. Maybe a, a a review of Dune too. Yes, How about that? something like that. Uh, uh, yeah, we can leave out the conversations about the popcorn things that everyone's talking about when it comes to the theaters. But yeah, we can talk about something that's not dire. All right. You think of something that's fun, cool, and happening in the world? You come back in. You promise? Sounds good. All right. You have a great week until next right, time. You too, Dr. Thomas Ambrosio, our friend and of course a political science professor. Uh, up at NDSU. Thanks for all the comments coming in. I know I didn't get to all of them, but there are a lot that kind of overlap, so I hope I did you justice. When we come back, Eric wraps with FargoUnderground.com. The Boiler Room provides us $25 on a gift card to give from us to you after you find out what's going on in the downtown Fargo-Moorhead area. We'll visit with her next right here on KFGO.